This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com And how it applies, where it comes from and how it applies not only to our relationship with the children, but our relationship with our wives. Because in order for this to be effective, this way of thinking to be effective, which is that for most of us it is a new way of thinking, it's ancient, but it's a new way of thinking. It needs to be applied evenly across the board, not only with our children, but with our wives as well. And I spoke to the, I, the Davka had in mind to give a share to the women about this last week, which I did, but it was very, very rushed. It was very, the time, it was very pressed. There was somebody else speaking, and everything went too, too late, and, and I had to rush. And I, I, I made up my mind that I wanted to give this shear to the, to the entire Heaven, you know, to the whoever would come, obviously. Of course, you know, when it comes to Torah Bechlal, you generally what they say that by the nations of the world, preaching to the converted, usually the ones who are not coming to this year that need the most help, you know, you know what I'm saying? But we could all use this. But but generally that's how it is in the world. The ones who are not there and never come are the ones who usually need these things most. Okay, what's there to do? That's why, so we have Hashem, so there's to any time, all of this, to try for people who can't come, that's something else, to be able to hear and to learn together because this is so crucial to our, our growth, our development as families. This is a family plan. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of Tikkun Abris and talking to the children, to the boys, there needs to be a certain frame of mind and unless the husband and wife is on the same page it becomes very very hard so I told the women last Sunday that I would talk to the guys about this because I said some pretty strong things to the women about how they have to understand their husbands and I promised them that don't worry I'll talk to the guys also mm-hmm. they can get a little bit sensitive but you're tough so uh, so that shear is probably already up somewhere in in, in that land <laughs> somewhere. So uh, so it, it would be a little bit different, but it's essentially the same schmooze. It's just more designed mitzad than the cavus. And this is mitzad us, mitzad us. Therefore, everything I'm going to say is going to be translated into our language as fathers and husbands. And it's also, I'm going to bring the children into the conversation as well. But it's just, it's primarily about husband-wife, to be on the same page, to, to be in the same world. Now, Ashokarcha Baderach means many things. That people start off their lives together under the Chuppah. Right before I, I'm going to, I, I might sound a little bit sad because right before I, right before I came into the Bismedrish, I got a text message from a student of mine who's married with a little daughter, who's telling me that he's going to be getting divorced. And I had no idea. 
thought they were happy. I, I met them someplace, uh, like smiling at each other and playing with the baby and stuff. And I came over to see the baby and whatever. I thought it was uh, long term. Looks like it's short term. And another lonely child. So, under the chuppah, I was there by the chuppah. I was actually Masada about the chuppah. So under the chuppah, there's a warmth, there's excitement, there's a plan of moving ahead with life. And then somehow there's, somehow along the way a Moloch shows up, you know. That's not Shekorcha, but you know the Chazal tell us that Korcha on a deeper level doesn't just mean that they happen to show up, it means a lot of what? Kar, careers, coldness. We're all baderach. Rabbi Nachman's first story begins with that. We're all baderach. We're all on a journey. We're on the way. One of the most, you know, husband and wife. And very often, baderach, a malik appears. And what was warm was cold. And the coldness, the indifference, oftentimes turns even which is something destructive. There's a feeling of alienation. A number of times over the years were were a wildity of, of of getting a phone call that her husband's not going to be able to make it home, that he was in a terrible accident and we're sorry to bring you this bad news. And then, of course, the woman cries and says, I, I don't have to me anything to happen to him, but I can't, you know, I don't want God to do anything to happen to him, but there's a part I can go on living this way. And I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about people who are hitting each other. Sadness, but unbearable <laughs> sadness. There's a thought that men and women have. It's terrible. And if you, and if you get into that, that poison of I'm onto your head, of Hayesha Shambi Kibenu Ayin that happened with a Molik, right? A man begins to wonder, did I marry the right person? What was I thinking? Did I marry the right person? And then you sometimes you see other couples, you see, and they look so happy, just like. They're just saying that they're just thinking they're about you also right now. <laughs> and they look so happy. And uh, and this was a girl like you knew in high school and you know, could have worked out. So what was I thinking? It's terrible. That's suffolk of a molek, that poison of why did I do this? I don't have anything in my relationship. It's not what I wanted, it's not what I was hoping for. And then people who were once in love, where they at least said those words and they felt something, not something, those very same people can get into some hurtful words that uh, they'll make up, but the words are not forgotten. They don't uh, go away. They're there. The words are there. (coughs) 
So it's a very big question that people suffer from, this question. It's, uh, it's not just about Hashem. The question of what happened to that Ahava, what happened to the love. Sometimes, in a simcha, something nice, an anniversary, whatever. And then, just like at the end of Shir Shirim, where we're left with bride, you know, beloved disappears. And that Ahava that was there, so elusive and evasive, just slips away. And the question the question is, is there a way? Is there a way to be Megal of the Ahav? To hold on to it, to strengthen it, to reveal it the person's life. Of course, it's the same question in a different in a way is inseparable, inseparable with of Nos, the cause of Nos in the Torah. And because of that, marriage is always a matter of choice. And when there's a matter of choice, I also have the choice to leave. When it comes to a child, it's not a choice. There are those who delude themselves in thinking that there's a choice, and they think that when they just get a child out of the house, that they're finished, but of course that can't be. <clears throat> but all, there are very powerful feelings of closeness, and somehow over time the grind of life and the confusion of those until Chasna, now those years as we spoke about a lot in the beginning, those years have a way of reaching into the 20s and even beyond. A terrible feeling of alienation. Of separation. A thought that a parent could have. I, I wish I didn't have this child. And sometimes even looking at other people and seeing their children or their child and saying, why couldn't I have that, that, that. Or a parent that could say something to a child, which I've heard children tell me over the years, that when the parent makes the brilliant comparison to a sibling, which is always, of course, like putting a bullet in a kid's head, why aren't you like uh, Moshe? Why aren't you like Roch? And so on. Which is, a, which is another way of saying it, is that I don't want you, I never wanted you, and I'm stuck with you. How is love redeemed? I know it sounds corny, but it's a very deep sugi and tire. That's all that we're learning is tire from the beginning. There's nothing here that I'm telling you that comes from any secular sources, even though I know there are many, many books written on this. <clears throat> Everything that I'm talking to you about is straight from Torah. It's nothing that I uh, read. In any, I don't read any psychology or pop psychology, self-help. I don't read that stuff. When I read, when I want to read something Goyish, it's not that stuff. The greatest love story of all. That's where we begin. Because in order to understand anything, 
in our marriages and with our children, we have to go back to the greatest love story of all. The most romantic, the most beautiful, the most complicated, the most painful. Kuchibichel and Knesset Yisrael. Hashem and Am Yisrael. It's the most, it's the oldest and most complicated and most beautiful love story. So the Alter Rebbe in his unique way of phrasing things, of course, the Alter Rebbe tells us that in that marriage of a Jew and Hashem, a person can often remember, just like a marriage, it goes both ways, that a person can remember there was a time that I was excited about davening, I was excited about learning, I felt the closeness. <laughs> and there was an ashakor chavadarach. There was a krivus, there was a coldness that set in. An ice age that took over. Amalek hayesh, Hashem b'kirbenu ayin. Do I really have a kesh with Hashem or don't I? And it leads to a, an overall atmosphere of alienation, of separation. Some people just stop going to shul, stop giving mitzvahs. And others, they just continue on, being part of that orthodox society and culture, and knowing that is the only comfortable home they could really be in with their wives and kids, whatever, what they're going to do. So they continue on just schlepping through misses and not really feeling anything in their davening and trying to get out from shul early and to play to not shul at all and shiur the person is really inclined person could, could enjoy it because it's interesting or to go to some shul to some rabbi who says interesting stuff and fancy things and lambdas and so on but as far as as far as a relationship is concerned with the Baruch Hu, there's not really much happening. So you might look in some. He told me not to look into this sefer, that sefer, and you read something about this, <coughs> some nice things in the sefer. But he is not. He's not able to feel that love. He's a chayla sahab. Now the chayla sahab, the simple pshat and chayla sahab, you know, means to be love sick. But the Nitziv explains it means to be sick because I can't feel any love. That's what the Nitziv says in his parish on Shirashim I once mentioned to you. I feel a sickness because the love is gone. Chagla Sahav. So, what we've been talking about the past few weeks, the Midas Arachnim, I told you it was based upon learning Perik Memhe and Tanya very carefully. Not just Memhe. All of those Prokim really Mem Gimel, Mem Dal, Mem Hey, Mevav, Tul Mem Ches, Mem Tes. Everyone should be ashamed. Tanya's not, it's not expensive. I don't want to ask how many of you have cell phones. <laughs> So it can't be that a Jew doesn't have a Tanya if he has a cell phone. <coughs> and the difference is that you have to charge your cell phone, but the Tanya charges you. It charges you. It gives life. It gives chiyas to everybody. 
the whole world. Even those that don't know it, they're getting chiyas shemit. So Tanya begins Nanhei like with a historic sentence. And he says there that he's going to teach us. It's very courageous of him. He was a big person, he had big shoulders. He says he's going to reveal to us a derech yoshar lifnei ish. A straight path. A derech yoshar lifnei ish. For every person. Every single one. Derech yoshar lifnei ish. That every single person can come back to the ahava that he felt by the chuppah. He's not talking about husbands and wives. He's talking about kutshebichum knesis yisrael. The subject there in those problems I have a session. But we're using that as a model to understand. Because that's the only way we can understand what marriage is supposed to be, ideally. That's the only way. That's our model, not what's found in the secular books. As I said, with all of the great romance and with all of the pain and complication. And this derech yosha medaktik Yosher is clearly an allusion to Yaakov Avinu, who's called Yeshurun. Yaakov is called Yeshurun. All this path, it's available to every Jew. Not only is it available, but the Tanya says it's easy. It's not complicated. Derech Yosher He bases this upon, this Derech Yosher is based upon five words in the 29th chapter of Yeshayo, of Yeshaya that I mentioned over the past few shirim. Liyakov HaShepodas Avram. Liyakov HaShepodas Avram, that Yaakov, Yishurim, Yosha, Yaakov HaShepodas Avram, who redeemed, (coughs) who rescued and saved Avram. It's a very, very strange sentence. In the Mepharshim, struggle with it. Of course, Yaakov is the Yaakov is the Einikl. He's the grandson. So what kind of a pigeon? Yaakov is Avram. The grandson who's rescuing the Zayda, the grandfather of Avram Avinu. What does Avram Avinu need from Yaakov that he should save him? So you remember, this is what we've been talking about recently. Some of you might be here for the first time. Avram is the Midah of Ahava. Avram means love. In all of its manifestations, Avram means love. And Yaakov is Rachamim, Teferis, Emes. We'll get to the Emes part of it in a little while. Yaakov is Rachamim. However you want to translate that compassion. Yaakov is Rachamim. The way we are translating it, which is the most accurate way, is empathy. That's what we talked about the past few weeks. Empathy. Because we, because Rachman can sometimes be dangerous because we get mixed up with the Yiddish and Rachmanis. There's nothing Rachmanis here. It's empathy. So Avram is the Midah Rahava. And Yaakov is the Midah Rachman. And the Tanya teaches us. Yaakov is Avram means life. Where love is locked up somewhere inside. And I don't know how to, whether Baruch Hu, 
So the Tanya teaches that the meaning of Liyakov is Shepodas Avram is that through the Mida of Yaakov, which is empathy, one is able to rescue the out of prison and exile the love that he thought was gone. Through the Mida Sarachimim, Liyakov Ashepodas Avram, that Yaakov can be and, and bring back the Mida of Avram of Ahava that was lost. Well, it's missing in action, or for lack of action. It's gone. The Yaakov Shepardas Avram. When a person's feeling distant and indifferent, and doesn't feel like he cares anymore, it's very, very, very hard to muster up feelings of love. A lot of what's going on in the frustration in marriage, and with kids also, is that when you're feeling disappointed and hurt, when you're feeling angry, we'll talk a lot about anger, when you're feeling disappointed, hurt, and angry, when you have that terrible thought of, maybe I made a mistake, this whole thing is a mistake, like what did I do? The sense that one has in that miserable matzah is, the whole subject of Ahava is, is Enunogeya, like it's, I'm not in the sugi of Ahava, I'm just trying to be I'm just trying to be decent, you know, like a decent husband. Ahava love, I hope my children are zoichet to have that in their marriages I'm just trying to be, you know, a provider and maybe something of a friend, but there's too much pain and anger and disappointment so especially when there are some serious fights. A person feels so far away from Ahava, it's not Bechlal on the, on the map or on the radar or whatever you want to call it, it's just not there. But you see, when it comes to the Midas or Achmem, the Alter Rebbe says, Rachmem, the Jewish people are Rachman and Rachman. That means that there's a Midas or Achmem that is closer to us than anything else closer to us than anything else. If this door would open right now and some Yid would walk in and we would all look at him and see that he's a Tzibrach and a Yid. Like you see these shipwrecked Jews that are wandering around. And you see one of these Jews that you could see right away on him. The whole Gaulus, you know? Thousands of years. In the way, you could see every single one of us. If it would be a, I mentioned to the, to the ladies, if it would be a little bird that would fly in or would hobble in with a broken leg. Forget about a, 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 a Yerushalmi. It would be a little bird that would hobble in with a broken leg. Every single one of us would feel, oi, like mamsh, rachmanus. Maybe we could use the Yiddish a little bit. It's rachmanus. And you could see written on that Jew's face 50 years of poverty, shalom bias misery, embarrassment, and so on. And there isn't one of us, since we're Rahman ibn Rahman, there's nobody in the world that has Rahman like Jews. So it would be Mo'ira within us, each and every one of us, it would be Mo'ira within us, in a way of Pshitus Mamash, Pshitus Mamash, a feeling of Rahman, to empathize. What's it like being, what's it like being in this guy's shoes? You know, I even look at his shoes. 
because the shoes are horrible to look at. What's it like being in this guy's shoes? I'm not talking about somebody that's, that's there are plenty of quacks and fakers that are working there. I'm not talking about some 20-year-old guy that doesn't want to work. You understand? I'm talking about, I'm talking about a legitimate Sebrach Nayid. What's it like being in this guy's shoes for five minutes? What's it like walking into a room where, uh, going knocking on the door where when, when they look outside, this other guy is here? And, you know, wait here for a minute. I'll see if I can come up with, well, I'm sorry, not now. What's that like? Every one of us feels that. Could feel that in the easiest way, but she does not. <coughs> so Tanya is saying, <coughs> and I'm trying to explain the Tanya, you'll see the words yourself. The Tanya is saying, whereas a hava is an ideal that's, that's sometimes like over the rainbow, especially if there's been a lot of bad stuff and arguments and fighting, so Ahava is like, forget it, forget it, Ahava. Avram is far away from this relationship with this kid or with my wife. Avram Avinu, maybe other people have Avram Avinu in their lives. I don't have Avram Avinu in my life. With this relationship, I don't have Avram Avinu. But when it comes to Yaakov Avinu, when it comes to the Midas Hirachanim, the Tanya is saying, it's not hard to come to. We have to learn how to come to that. The past few weeks, there were some examples. We're going to talk about more about now. There, I mean, even in a relationship where there was the most bitter arguments and fights, even where Chas Hashem was slamming doors and going to sleep in different rooms, or God, even, even when God forbid someone saying words of divorce, so I can't do this anymore, and said, you know, I don't think we can do this anymore. We're going to have to go around, you know, all these terrible dibur. The Midas Arachim is something that in a split second, if a person's there, and it's not hard to get there, remember it's a derech hayosha lifnei ish. Derech hayosha lifnei ish mamish, the Tanya says. That once you get to that place of Rachamim, which is easy, easy to get to, even in these situations you can get to, not talking this situations of terrible abuse and mistreatment. That's on a more regular misery, standard suffering. The midas erachemim one can get to bepshitus mamish in a simple way. And once you get to that place that's called Yaakov Avinu, once you get to that place of Yaakov Avinu, in a in a way of in a very darkistic way, in a gentle and subtle way, it's possible to bring Avram Avinu back into the picture. It's possible to redeem, to unlock that door, that prison in which Avram Avinu has been kept, in which the love is being held. The old love, the old flame can be, can be released, can be found. This in this form, without Rebbe, of course, doesn't explain, just alludes to this. The Pasuk that, that describes the astonishing thing that happened when Yaakov met Rachel, it says, Vayishak Yaakov Rachel, that Yaakov saw Rachel for the first time in his life, and he kissed her. 
He lifted up his voice and he began to cry. So we have a Kabbalah from Chazal Rashi. The Kabbalah have something else on this. Mshischa, of course, I've mentioned over the years a number of times. Mshischa and Kotz, they said that the reason that Yaakov cried is because he knew that he's going to get into big trouble for this kiss. Because a lot of people are not going to say, understand that. Like, it's like, how am I going to explain what just happened? <laughs> That's what Kotz said he was. He was taught to cry. I know, I know I'm going to have a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> now, any pussy that the Rebbe skipped in Cheder is one that we all went to look up in this Amsino where it was totally butchered. <laughs> So, so let's, let's just move on. We, we'd stop before the person the next day. We'd go on to the next thing. And, and there was, I'm looking at the Chumash and all this. So you know for sure that we're all going to misunderstand it. Instead of maybe explaining to us in a normal way, we just went to try to find it somewhere else. Because those are the juiciest psuk in the whole Chumash. Those are the most fun. So the Sram said the following. It's the time he says. Yishak Yaakov, Yaakov means Rachamim. And Hashaka, Vayishak and Nishimik Vahashaka. Coming into contact with. And Nishika kiss means coming into contact with. So Vayishak Yaakov, when that Midah Rachamim, which is Yaakov, comes into contact with Rachel. Rachel means Knesset Yisrael. On a more personal level, it means a Jew who's in a state of Golos. A Jew who cannot find the Ahava in his life. Rachel is buried along the way. She's not buried with the rest of the Mishpach. She herself is in a place of Baderach Ephrasim. Baderach Ephrasim. When Vayishag Yaakov, when the Midas comes into contact with that Jew who is is lost. Baderach, where the Ahava is in a state of Golos, Vayisa as Koilai Vayevch. It has the ability, through that meeting, through that encounter, to be Mamshech, to draw down the Midas Arachim from the highest place, and to be Mo'ira Ahava Yishen, to awaken the old love that was there, and to bring Rachel out of Golos through that kiss. Which is tied into what Rashi says about this verse and Mikdash, that and everything else. She's not going to be buried here, she'll be buried there. In a very, very simple way, what the Baltani is, is telling us is the following. The basis of all Torah, especially Plinius Torah, and especially Mesuteras, is a hidden love, a powerful, powerful unbelievable, hidden, infinite love. A fiery love that's hidden in the heart of a Jew which, which isn't goes. That's why Davin is without any chiyas the mitzvahs of any chiyas it's in a place of goals. <coughs> and the basis of Tanya is the belief that that Ahava exists. It's just in a cell deep, deep in the person. But the Ahav is. As he explains in Yuches and Yutes, at a time of crisis, when there's that possibility of separation, then it flares up. So we've seen throughout time the Jews who were even not religious, they would dial Kiddush Hashem. 
not to renounce their connection to God and to the Jewish people, which doesn't make any sense. It's there. The Ahab is there. But it's Musu Teres, the care of Levis, inside deep in the heart of a person. We also believe, again, there are, of course, exceptions to this, but for the most part, with a husband and wife, and certainly with a parent and a child, with there, it's an Ahava Kemayim, it's an Ahava Bosav Adam, it's the same flesh and blood, that the Ahava, the love that was there under the chuppah, is still there. And that the Ahava for that child when he was born and he was little is certainly still there. It's deep, deep, buried under so many arguments and disappointments. In the case of many of the men seeing so many things, and so on, that it's simply not felt, it's not, it's not experienced. And the same way that it's not only possible, but it's derech yashalif magish, and we're chayif to try this in our lives. Tibi mo'ira, the midas ahavram, av avram avinu, of ahavas Hashem inside of us, to free it, l'shachrer ota, to free the trapped, imprisoned midas ahav of avram, so too the ahava between a husband and wife, and between a parent and children. We are able to, the care of Leiv Amok to redeem the Ahava. This is the site of Yaakov Shepodas Avram, from the Midah of Yaakov, which is the Midah Zerachna. Now, as far as the relationship with the Kaddish Baruch is concerned, which is what the time he's talking about. The question that the Tanya deals with directly is Rachmim on who? Okay, there's this Midah of Yaakov, it's called Rachmim. And Yishak Yaakov is Rachel on Rachel. The Rachmim on Rachel. The Tanya says an astonishing thing there. We spoke about this already, just the beginning, the last week or two. The Tanya says is that the beginning of Rachmim is not for the one that you love, where the love has been missing. Remember what we spoke about? Where does Rachmim begin? Where must it begin? Mm-hmm. Oneself. Rachmim on oneself. And the Tanya explains in the context of a relationship with Hashem's Baruch what that means. And he brings the Pasuk from Yeshai and Nunhei that we're familiar with from Slichus. The Yoshua Hashem Yirachameyu. The Yoshua Hashem Yirachameyu. And the Tanya says the key to returning to Hashem and the key to being being able to find that lost love inside of yourself, Hashem, comes from the Yirachameyu. The Yoshua Hashem. The Tanya says, the words of the Tanya are like fire, fire, 
like acid that burns. The Tanya says is that when a Jew thinks that within him, within himself, the Melech Malche Hamlachim, the king of all kings, the one who created him and gave him everything, is Mamish Shaychein Itay Bitum Asa, Besach Tum Asa. A person can have such empathy with the Elokus within himself, for the Elokus within himself. that a person such as himself who contains within his heart the infinite creator and that this Melech God he, the person myself I have been mashpil him into the torment with my thoughts, my words and my actions I have dragged the mamish the time uses them into the tzor, into filth in my life what I have done what I have done to the one who loves me what I have done to the one who I also love I just having problems with <coughs> there's no greater Achmanus there's no greater miskain the Tanya says than the Yitzayt Eloki and that spark of Elokus, that presence of God within the self, the Chelek Elokar, that's within the person himself. Some of you might recall, and we'll stop with this for now, this will be Chelek Aleph. Some of you might recall the Holy Visioner was one of the tzaddikim that, was, that had to spend time in prison. There was a whole, there was a whole mysterious with him because there were those who were mastering to try to convince the uh, the government that he was beginning a rebellion to bring the Jews to rebel against the Tsar and to bring the Jews back to Jerusalem to Yishalai. And he was like a Malchus in the way that he lived. And uh, It was all the story of the vision. It's a self-fascinating story. Uh, so the, the Holy Vision was in jail in a, in a very, very disgusting place. And remember, he's Malchus. The vision was Malchus. And he's in this terrible jail. And uh, Chassidim, with, uh, a couple of Chassidim with bribing, all kinds of things, they were able to go in to see the, the vision. And when they, they were able to visit, when they came to the vision, the vision was, was crying. And, and and they were taken aback by that, because all they ever learned from him was Emunah, and his Chaskas, and the Rebbe himself, the vision is crying. Like, you know, it's, it's a bad situation, it's terrible, but the vision is the vision. So he said to them, you think I'm crying about the cell, about the dungeon. It doesn't bother me at all. The reason I'm crying is because even if I'm in a place of the valley of death, the most disgusting, horrible, scary place on earth, I'm not afraid. I don't care what they do to me. I don't care that I'm in this, in this disgusting place with the lowest people on earth and filth. 
not Yira. But Ra, what's hurting me is Ki'ate Imadi. Is that you're here with me. That's what he said originally. That the Shekhinah Kedoshah is with me in this place. It's a busha that the Shekhinah is with me in such a place I feel so bad. That the Shekhinah is in this place with me. Yoshua Lashem Yachameyu, the Tanya says, is the beginning of Rachman upon oneself, is the locus of who one is. There's no more pathetic creature on earth than myself. <coughs> Not my kid that can't get up a minion. Not my wife that didn't have supper ready on time. Or that didn't uh, welcome me when I came home. There's Baruch Abba, Baruch Abba, Melech Malchah, Melchah. The most pathetic thing on earth is is me. Bainishland, that I brought you into such a place with me, with my craziness, with my silliness, with my stupid things, with my talk and my eyes and my mouth and my actions. I brought you into such a place, a shiftless, rakiati imadi. The most terrible thing is kiati imadi. The most pathetic person in the world is myself. To feel a rachman first on, on, the, on, on how pathetic the, the human condition is. And not just I'm a human being, but myself. And the Yoshua Hashem, the beginning to return to God is Yachmeo, of Rachmanis. Have Rachmanis. Have Rachmanis on yourself, who you are. Who do you think you are? You're a Jew. Have Rachmanis. You're a Shtikalokus. The Rahmanas in yourself, that's the Aleph. The Rahmanas in yourself. Now, what we're going to talk about, it's going to be now a little bit of a break, because next week I'm going to be in Etzisel, and Etzisel, and then, then Purim. Purim. Okay. Because <clears throat> how do we, how does the, do we cross over from this Rachmim upon oneself? <coughs> Which we have no problem feeling that if a person thinks a little bit. How do we translate that into a relationship with a, with a wife and a relationship with children? To cross over from Rachman on myself to be able to open my heart up to have Rachman on the other. And how does that Rachman redeem the love? <coughs> how does the Rachman, the feeling of compassion, empathy, to empathize, how does that redeem Ahava in our relationships? How does that redeem the Ahava? So Mr. Shem, that will be after, after Yom Tov will talk about that. The most pathetic thing on earth is is me. Bainishland, that I brought you into such a place with me, with my craziness, with my silliness, with my stupid things, with my talk and my eyes and my mouth and my actions. I brought you into such a place. Shiftless. The most terrible thing is the most pathetic person in the world is myself. To feel a Rachman first on, on, the, on, on how pathetic the, the human condition is. And not just I'm a human being, but myself. And the Yoshua Hashem, the beginning to return to God is Yachmeo of Rachmanis. Have Rachmanis. Have on yourself, who you are. Who do you think you are? You're a Jew. Have Rachmanis. 
you are sticking locus. The Rahmanas in yourself, that's the Aleph. The Rahmanas in yourself. Now what we're going to talk about it's gonna be now a little bit of a break is next week I'm gonna be in Etisol, Mr. Shem and then that's Purim. Purim. Okay. Because <clears throat> how do we how does the do we cross over from this Rachimim upon oneself? <coughs> which we have no problem feeling that if a person thinks a little bit. How do we translate that into a relationship with our with a wife and a relationship with children? To cross over from Rachimim on myself to be able to open my heart up to have Rachimim on the other. And how does that Rachimim redeem the love? <coughs> how does the Rachimim, the feeling of compassion, empathy, to empathize, how does that redeem Ahava in our relationships? How does that redeem the Ahava? So Mr. Shem, that will be after, after Yom Tov report about that. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.